what's up, everybody? It's Left Look. Today is Friday, uh, September 8th, and I am here with my boy, Jacob. Hey, brother Julian. Hey. And uh, this is Left Look. It's your, it's the premier independent podcast from the Gato Institute, where we'll be taking a look at Canadian and international ice courts for entertainment, provided with an unbiased self perspective. Let's see the podcast independent on parks and laws to listen to Gato and to examine the all ours. Let's go to Canadian and international approval offer in perspective and partially to gauche. Done. It's so it's so nice having you here. I hate doing it. You know, like <laughs> I tried to get I tried to weasel DJ into the responsibility last week. No dice. He saw right through me. <laughs> I was wondering what you guys got up to last week. Yeah, we uh we did lots last week. Speaking of last week, um the apology segment of this week's episode. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'd like to apologize to the listeners for uh you know, once again, uh for doing a, a bit two weeks in a row, the same bit. I think we talked about Oppenheimer for 10 minutes to close both episodes two weeks ago. And yeah. uh, I'm actually apologizing again about this because I wanted to remind us that uh, this happened and uh, it won't happen again. And that Julian, uh, it can be heard in the audio, remembers that we had already talked about this movie and then just lets us ramble about the movie <laughs> again. You don't want to talk about it more today? No. Oh, no, I don't want to talk about Oppenheimer anymore. <laughs> Um, the, uh, the next thing I'd like to apologize for is that, um, cockroaches. Uh, I said a number of weeks ago that Fidel Castro, Castro called, uh, you know, uh, traitors to the revolution, uh, cockroaches. That's not true. He called them gusanos, which translates to worm, not cockroaches. Ah. And, uh, finally, I would like to apologize to DJ cause we didn't introduce him and, uh, he's here in spirit. <laughs> We love him. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we apologize for his busy schedule. That mm-hmm, mm-hmm. prevents him from recording today. So uh, do we want to start with uh, another successful left look prediction? Oh, is there another one? What's up? Yep. Prigozhin got fucking killed weeks ago. We never mm-hmm. talked about it. We didn't call that, did we? Oh, yeah. I said on air, that that guy is dead. I, uh, I went back <laughs> and looked for it, too, because I said... Uh, I don't know what he's thinking. Ta- the quote is something like, I don't know what he's thinking taking that deal because Belarus isn't another country. They have a program called One Nation 2030 where Belarus will be uh, absorbed into Russia. Right. And uh, it didn't even make it that far. They, and, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the craziness about the way they killed them too, right? Like they fired a defense uh, system missile at his private plane with him and his lieutenants from the you know, the Wagner group. Yeah. It's just not even the courtesy to plant a bomb. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. They're already on a plane. I thought the plane thing, when I heard the original news thing, I I gained a bunch of respect for Putin because I thought it was the most hilarious dab. Cause what is the preferred method of choice? Uh, assassination for CIA. Um, You fuck with the, you fuck with a plane and then there's all sorts of deniability. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They killed the, the Kennedy brother with that. Um, uh, yeah, you know, that's a conspiracy, but it, it, it's been used many <laughs> times, right? We and gotta uh, start a spreadsheet here of our predictions and like, update I know it when we make them, I'm firing off, hitting targets left, right and center. And then CNN's <laughs> allowed to spew drivel on air. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, but anyways, yeah. So I gained a whole bunch of uh, respect for Putin because that kind of assassination, where you fucked with the plane and there's deniability, right? Like obviously everyone knows that Putin did it, but by making fun of or aping or mimicking, I said that many episodes ago I was getting rid of the word aping, mimicking uh, the word, uh, mimicking the way that the CIA kills people in like incognito, uh, would be such a move, such a Chad move. And then uh, he didn't. He fired a missile at a fucking commercial plane. That's such barbarism. Not <laughs> knuckle dragger fucking shit. Like, that wasn't a commercial plane, was it? It was a private plane. It, yeah. Like it was. It wasn't military. So it's commercial, in my opinion. Can One we or the be other. sure Prigozhin was on it? That's a good question. I mean, I don't think it matters one way or the other. <laughs> but like. I- I don't know. I'd, I'd love to see his dental records, you know? Like, yes. <laughs> um, Tell me who you pulled out of that plane. But no, I, I think he's dead. There's no reason why uh, 
he wouldn't be. What what would you keep him around for? Yeah, that's that's rad- what I can't answer. And uh, the second thing is like, how could you contain yourself from killing someone like that if you're Putin? You know what I mean? I uh, I think I would have had the strength to say. I forgive my enemies, right? But the day after, I'd been thinking about it, like, I gotta kill that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> When's your um, flight leave again now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll, uh, we'll see you when you get into Minsk or whatever in yeah. Belarus. Um, yeah, no, I just thought that was uh, fun to remark on, that, you know, we're once again killing it. I, uh, I wish that we had been able to call this next piece of news that we're going to move into. You all right? Moving on. Oh, yes. But I, I just want to mention one thing briefly. I know we're not supposed to talk about Chapo Trapos anymore. And that's... Uh, we're slowly detaching from we that. We are. We're weaning <laughs> off. <laughs> but uh, they opened that Toronto show with the fucking English and then French bit. Come yeah, on. That hurt. <laughs> just that tell hurt. us you listen to the podcast. I know they do. I know they do. <laughs> I actually found the whole thing pretty uh, grating or jarring. You know what I mean? Yeah, I didn't uh, love it as much as I thought I would. Their Toronto show. Yeah, I uh, the bit was good, but I felt the bit that they were going to take over Canada and that, you know, America's so much better than Canada was, I don't know, read the room, man. Like, we <laughs> hate America. We hate them, right? Yeah, not that funny. We've all we've all thought that. Matt Crispin's yeah. obsession with the soft lumber and... Fresh water that was pretty fresh funny. water. That was funny. Yeah, I'll give him that. Um, no, but I said that's another left look prediction, or uh, not a prediction so much as a, a harebrained strategy. I said that the Americans are coming for us. One day they're going to conquer us, and that we need to become indigestible. And uh, <laughs> the way to yeah. do that is to get the nuke, not to use it, only to threaten to use it. Right? Right. We'll blow. We'll blow up Chicago and Detroit if you fucking come. Uh, <laughs> if you invade. Right. Yeah, we'll and push uh, it there with sled dogs, and then. <laughs> I mean, you could you probably get a slingshot big enough to launch it across the lake, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, so I would threaten with the nuke, and then I would train. You know, special forces is the word I want to use, but light special forces. These aren't like, I don't know, SEAL Team Six guys. I'm dreaming up. I'm not, I'm thinking more like the uh, the seventy. The sorry, just the Ranger Regiment from the American Army. You want to be, you want a guy who's competent, but not like top of the line. And then you want to distribute them in little hidey holes all over the fucking country and then give them access to all sorts of weapons, namely machine guns and uh, Panzerfausts, the, uh, or RPGs will work as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think and then we they, already do that. Do we do that? We don't do it enough. Because if they're talking about it uh, like out loud invading uh, America, then we should have, you know, Everywhere along every major road, there should be ambush <laughs> sites like set up, ready to go. Yeah, you know what they do in I think it's South Korea that I love. What they have these like big concrete like obelisks on the side of the road that just like yeah. look cool most of the time. But the purpose is, if the country's invaded, they just like place charges at the base, drop them on the road, and suddenly it's super impassable. Nice, that's a cool doing that. It's yeah, not no. only super impassable, it's entrenched. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can put troops behind that. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, Canadian rangers are responsible for remote, isolated, and sparsely populated regions of Canada, such as northern Canada and coastlines. They regularly conduct surveillance, sovereignty patrols, sovereignty patrols, Yeah. and inspections of the North Warning System. They also act as guides, scouts, and subject matter experts in disciplines such as wilderness survival and other forces. No, those sound like wilderness rangers. They sound a little more military, but what I'm thinking of is just like regular dudes who have a part-time job for their regular income. And then mm. if war ever happened, they'd get the bat signal and they'd go to their weapons cache and then just start killing any American they can find. Right. right? Well, like a reserve component of that instead of you, regular army you, component. Exactly. What's the regular army going to do? Meet them in the field? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, well, these guys are going to be stay behind, but. Uh, any any man uh, devoted to fighting the Americans in the field, when I say in the field, I mean a pitched battle where we both know what's happening, we're going to fight over a plot of it land, and, you know, the better guy wins. That yeah. is a, just a spectacular waste of cash, right? Because yeah. they're so ungodly at, uh, at warfare, especially traditional, conventional pitched battles. It, it would be a waste. It'd be an absolute waste. Yeah. You got... You got to hit them like you're gangsters, like they're the ops. You know what I mean? Yeah. Roll up, 
unload a whole bunch of ammo and then run away, right? Like, because they will show up with drones. Yeah. But uh, no, I really hated the the uh, show. I did really, really <laughs> enjoy uh, Justin Trudeau as an AI voice. Yeah, that was all right. <laughs> I, I, w- I will say that I... Uh, I did recommend that we do that for Obama as an AI voice. And then Julian was like, well, you can figure that out. And I was like, well, no, in fact, I can't. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, yeah, I figured that's what that meant. So I didn't push. Um, But yeah, no, I, uh, we are divorcing from Chapo. So we will stop talking about them eventually. Eventually. Yeah. All right. Uh, they uh, did do a bit, uh, which I found really funny. They accidentally blew the game. Maybe this was purposeful, actually. They called Polyever. They fucked up Polyev's name like 13 <laughs> times on purpose. Yeah, but it's another one the, of our bits. <laughs> that's our bit as well. And uh, But on purpose, they, sorry, uh, the first time they said it, they said it correctly. Uh, the, the Will Menneker guy said it correctly. So did he? It kinda, yeah, if you listen uh, closely to the first minute, someone says Polyev, and then they do the bit. Uh, Mr. Paprika or whatever, right? Oh, I thought it was Poiliev. Uh, yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, Poiliev, um, uh, he was in the news this week. Did you see? Yes, I did. Very funny. <laughs> very, very funny. Funnier than uh, he realizes, I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think he realizes the joke <laughs> after, right? <laughs> but um, he was... Pierre Polyev, the leader of the Conservative Party here in Canada, was videoed going door to door, uh, and he was talking to this old woman, and uh, they were commiserating about how much they hated the Trudeaus, uh, junior and senior. Uh, Trudeau is our current prime minister. His dad was a prime minister at one point before, to the American listeners. Yeah. And uh, anyways, uh, she says something along the lines of, oh, I just hate them. And uh, he agrees with her and says something like, well, you know they're both Marxists, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah and him I was and his just dad like, are Marxists. Yeah, him and his dad are Marxists. Actually, that's the that's the phrasing that made it hilarious, yeah. right? Because because <laughs> I actually thought he was talking about Fidel Castro the first time mm-hmm. I fucking heard it, right? Mm-hmm. Like exactly. to me, to me in lore, that's his dad, right? When someone yep. says Justin Trudeau's dad, I think leader of the Cuban <laughs> Revolution. <laughs> yeah, comrade Castro. <laughs> Comrade Castro, um, you ever seen that video of Castro flying to New uh, to New York and he's getting questioned on whether or not he has a uh, a bulletproof vest on, and he he pulls his shirt off and he goes, "No, I have a moral <laughs> vest." <laughs> it's like, damn it. man, he's That's just a such move. a chad. He's such a chad. Yeah. Um, I've done this bit on the show before too, but have you heard about the time the CIA sent a woman to assassinate him and the woman said he couldn't, she, sorry, she couldn't pull the trigger and then they had sex together and then Castro went and delivered an eight hour speech after that. (laughs) An eight hour speech. (laughs) That's fucking intense. The vigor. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) There's this, uh, recurring meme about uh the chad working class man right and it's like to have uh survived the thousands of years of oppression from the uh, overlord class right the owner class the genetic makeup that you would need to be you know strong and still surviving right would need to be incredible and that's who i think about when i think about fidel castro right because he (laughs) is this six foot four beefcake with just like the sharpest mind i've seen you know like oh i didn't realize he was six four yeah yeah it was kind of struck me as a little guy no no i think he's six two or six three actually but still i called him six four to to play it up but uh yeah no that's why uh that's the greatest evidence for Justin Trudeau's paternal uh, paternity actually is that Pierre <laughs> Elliott Trudeau Pierre Elliott Trudeau was like 57 and right. Justin Trudeau is 63 right and he looks cubano on top of that like he does a little bit he's got brown nipples yeah got brown nipples uh, folks i think it makes him a better candidate honestly like he's a bastard yeah, he's Fidel Castro's bastard. If he was just a bastard, I think it would lessen his candidacy, mm. unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I thought I found that funny, so I thought we'd talk about it this week. Uh, that's it. Yep. Anything to say before we Check. move on? Nope. <laughs> Good. Good. 
Yeah, um, I will do. That was good. There we go. Yeah. What's next? <laughs> oh, dude, we're only at 15 minutes here. Uh, <laughs> here, you want to uh, No, 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 fuck. Uh, but um, we're going to talk about Mali again. We talked about, uh, sorry, West Africa. We talked about Niger last week. Oh, that Mali. Well, uh, uh, Julian was here the first time we talked about Niger, and then we talked about Niger again last week, and now we're talking about them again. Yes. Um, because. This last week we updated you to say that uh, no invasion had happened uh, past the um, the deadline that the the uh, economic community of West African nations had set for Niger, mm-hmm. and, and so therefore uh, that means that Burkina Faso and Mali and Niger had called the bluff of the uh, the West African nations, and nothing's going to happen. But yeah. after that, Mali uh, announced that they will be dropping French as an official language. Of, yes. Uh, of, of Mali, which I found super interesting, right? For a whole myriad of reasons. Yeah. And uh, what what they'll be replacing it with is uh, 13 indigenous languages. <laughs> which <laughs> doesn't seem like a, a great idea to me personally, but yeah, yeah. I respect Here's, them. They have their autonomy. Let's go. I res- I, this is why it's going to be a weird bit, right? Because as leftists, we, of course, support uh, indigenous rights and national self-determination, right? We should be all for this uh, advancement by Mali, right? Yeah. But on the other hand, as a map game con- connoisseur, right? Yeah. They're going to get their ass handed to them with 13 languages running one state, right? Yeah, like, that, that's a lot of signs to reprint. That's a lot of signs to reprint. That's a lot of factionalism. It's a lot of fucking bureaucracy checking in on things. Yeah. And the French, the French are probably happy about it. They're like, oh, we can actually decimate your state a little... A little easier now. And we didn't really need you. We just need you to not be our enemies. You know what I mean? So we'll just destroy you is what they're thinking right now. Yeah. I'm glad to see things very slowly going Niger's way for the most part. Uh, yeah. I mean, hopefully they just, uh, the West African nations just leave Niger alone. You weren't here last week, but uh, Nigeria sent an ex-president to meet with the, uh, the person who's appeared as the leader of the coup. Mm-hmm. And uh, he asked for uh, three years. He said, "Leave us alone for three years, and we'll transition. Uh, we'll, we'll put a new leadership leader in, but we are charging this Bazoom guy with uh, the old president with treason, and they're going all the way. It sounds like they want him dead." Okay. Yeah, uh, and you know, three years to me, and they're gonna rejoin liberalism. Basically, is so reasonable. Like, <laughs> I, I said that to uh, on uh, with DJ, but like. It's not like they're uh, they're gonna be making out like bandits over that. They're gonna lose thousands and thousands of people to starvation and fractious violence as they uh, do the slow transition. But mm-hmm. it's better than ground troops, right? It's better than ground troops. Yeah. There's no need for a World War II style event in Mali. But and then the last thought I had was that the uh, what could happen is that um, thirteen languages uh, running a state is very leftist and uh, it may create a synergy with um, communist parties worldwide. Uh, but China is on my mind, obviously, because, mm-hmm. and that uh, it may create an ally there. It may create an opening. Who knows? Yeah, I not that so. I think, not that I think China's looking for it. Not that I think uh, America's looking for it, but again, you know, the Thucydides trap, we are all uh, victims of history and, mostly victims of our minor allies usually too. Yeah. No, I am I am very curious to see what happens now with the rest of ECOWAS. Like I have I to assume you. their populations are not loving being under the thumb of like colonial rulers. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the French that, and the Americans. Like Yeah. And now that these other countries have for the moment at least, like successfully gotten out from under the grip of colonial rulers. Is there is there another domino or two that's going to fall next? I don't know. Yeah, the French would rather genocide that entire fucking <laughs> continent than let, let it go. I like it's sure. disgusting to say, but they uh, I'd see leftists all the time talking about how great France is for using nuclear energy, right? And I just think about the <laughs> rivers of blood that fucking power those fucking plants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Black people where the blood. uranium comes from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, why aren't the why aren't the Germans doing this? Did you see the Germans are opening up coal plants again? Where are their African slaves providing them uranium? Right? <laughs> like, I hate leftists so much yeah. sometimes. Like, yeah, they're dismantling a fucking wind farm to keep mining coal. Well, yeah. <laughs> they're not fucking well, socialists because <laughs> wind farms are stupid. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> that and they built those huge fucking diggy machines. You got to keep using them, or that's lost opportunity cost yeah no germany is like the richest place on earth for coal too right so like yeah wh why would you go away uh, <laughs> and their pipeline the fucking what yeah the, the Nord stream, Nord got stream too yeah they got, got no other up. option <laughs> mm -hmm. and the um, their greatest allies and protector the americans they blew it up right yeah. so they got all sorts of real world uh, situations to deal with and then the last thought i had about this was um France. I was thinking about nation states the other day. I, I was questioning what is a nation state, right? Uh, and what I've, what I've arrived at is a state that controls most or almost exclusively all of their uh, linguistic ethnic group. Okay? Okay. And so Britain, Canada, United States, they all don't count, right? France is actually one of the only places, uh, sorry, an independent was the, the key word there too, right? Because Germany could count technically, right? But they're not independent. We run that shit. We have 50,000 troops stationed in Germany right now. Okay, yeah. The Americans do. As, as subjects of their empire, I, yeah, yeah, I include yeah. us. Um, but the French are, uh, they have their own colonial possessions. They, nobody's stationed there. They have their own distinct command in NATO. They control almost the entire French population. And even the French populations that they don't control, they go out of their way to make sure that uh, everybody knows that the French think that that isn't French. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah. the, the Quebecois, the mocking of the Quebecois is a favorite pastime of the French, right? Yeah. But unites us. Uh -huh. and, so, and then uh, I would say uh, China also doesn't apply for nation state uh, uh, under those parameters that I set out because they're, uh, they too are not independent uh, in a way that, I mean, they're independent uh, militarily, uh, but their economic system is so entwined with the rest of the world that they could be blockaded into genocide, right? Whereas France could actually be sieged for hundreds of years, and it would just keep rolling. You know what I mean? Like, All right. So it kind of sounds like you're saying France is the only nation state? On Earth, basically, is what <laughs> I, that I can think of. Okay. All yeah. right. And it, it's a product of, uh, you know, the American-British contradiction, right? We should just refer to them, the Americans and the, the, the Anglosphere, as the empire, right? Because, yeah. like... It is just an empire. It's one block. You know what I mean? Sure. And, uh, yeah, the way that they've set up that the, uh, the, the Americans have their republic with all their freedoms, right? Those freedoms only ever arose through the conquest and the spoils of the rest of the empire, right? So it was always just a province in rebellion at best, right? And now that it's achieved hegemony, the contradictions are, like, fast com collapsing in onto themselves, right? Absolutely. And so uh, it will become imperial soon. They'll call themselves a consulate or something like that. They'll, there'll be an intermediary period, an intervening period where they're imperialism light, and then they'll go full imperial. We say yeah. it here all the time on left there, though, so. Actually, I, this is tangential here. We, we'll come back to this point here, France, United States, nation states, etc. There is an album that I think you would enjoy. Nice. By, uh, Nine Inch Nails. It's called mm. called Year Zero. It came out during the Bush administration. I want to say like 06, 07 maybe. Yeah, yeah. And the premise of it is there is, how does it start? There's a, a bioterror attack in Los Angeles, I think. And yeah. nobody knows, like, it, like, nobody knows who's really behind it. Like, it could have been the state's false flag, whatever. But, yeah, the United States just goes berserk with, like, full Christian national imperialism, basically. They yeah. make a whole new calendar. They're like, okay, this is year zero again. We're starting over because we're just flying off the handle here. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, I mean, the music's pretty good, but the underlying ideas and, you know, some of the other resources associated with the album are very, 
that's a conceptually heavy album. It is, uh, and it's surprisingly prescient too. I think. What's it called? It's called Year Zero. Year Zero, Nine Inch Nails. We'll listen to. All right. Um, yeah. And you too, listener. You'll probably get a kick out of it as well. While you were talking there, it reminded me another uh, of another piece of news I saw this week. And I've seen so much uh, war drumming for Mexico recently. And yes. I couldn't figure... I, I can't figure it out, right? Because the, uh, this, <laughs> this bit about the, the drug cartels, yeah. like, I can't begin to explain how little the Republicans give a shit about the drug cartels. Right? Oh, yeah. They... They cannot care less. There is not a minuscule amount. There is not an iota that they could care less than about these drug cartels. And I was like, so what is their interest? I've been thinking about it for months, really. Like, why do they want Mexico? Because the only reason the news is talking about it is because, you know, Republican leadership has told them to talk about it, right? Yeah. And uh, what here is my new theory. Okay. Not a theory I've come up with on my own. But that uh, the Taliban in Afghanistan have outlawed opium production, basically, right? Right. And Afghanistan is the best place on earth to make opium, right? Yeah. And so we need a, another dry, mountainous, arid area. <laughs> right. Easily accessible to the Americans, right? That's what I think they're doing. They're going to invade so that they can start opium production again because... It's a major income stream, right? And a black income stream that they can, you know, use for all sorts of nefarious uh, purposes. Uh, black is the wrong word. Dark pool is what I meant. <laughs> yeah. I don't think anybody was going to call you out on that one. <laughs> uh, I try to, I'm trying to uh, deracialize, decolonialize all my language. That's fair. Except for, except for gypsies. I still hate the gypsies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, Call of Duty Dark Ops. Yeah, that's funny. Um, <laughs> but no, I'm I'm kind of in agreement there. I, w- the way I see it, all the Republicans saw Russia get a Vietnam right on their border, and they're like, "Hey, we want that too." Yeah, I would love a war on my border. Yeah, That'd be dope. <laughs> we love endless war. Just yeah, we it, th- that one's too far though. We don't want to have to keep crossing oceans. Yeah, I, do, I think it's a mistake to conquer Mexico uh, now, but in a, you know 50 or 100 years, they should conquer all of the Americas, Central and South. If I was map gaming, that's what I would do, for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we, we split there a lot. Like, you, you, re, you really do see a, uh, like an American conquest of the world coming, like a military one. Mm-hmm. And I really don't see you that You think happening. they're done. You yeah, think they're toast. I think they're done. They're at the end. Like, guerrilla warfare makes it impossible for that now. But even more than that, like, we're already one country, basically, in North America. Yeah, but that means they're still expanding, right? They're either expanding or they're contracting. And they're not contracting. They're expanding. Their population is ex- expected to become 720 million by uh, 2050. Right? Yeah, and, I, and I the, think... Sorry, and, then they, and then they absorb us and the Australians and the British, right? And all of us have gone to our uh, trended population lines. And all of a sudden, there are a billion Americans on the fucking earth, right? <laughs> yeah. In a hurry. A billion Americans making $30,000, $40,000 a year equivalent, right? Yeah. I mean, I do, do you know think what... it is contracting, though. Like, that's what's it happening a... with Europe right now. Is It is a little bit. Things are very slowly going to shit there. And yeah. but in a think couple about... of decades... Think America about the mass place to be. Sorry, go ahead. No, sorry, I was cutting you off. But think about the massive expansion that happened just 30 years ago, right? It's contracting from its super borders, right? When Russia was at its weakest, weakest point, it's been since like the 1500s, basically, right? Right. And yeah, I just think that the uh, the Americans are uh, they may be in a you know a spot that seems a little hot right now, right? But. The thing I keep coming back to with uh, the comparison to Rome is that Rome experienced 15,000% inflation before it even started to wobble. You know, right. Before, it even, <laughs> before the 300s, the, 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 the century, the crisis century happened. Yeah. Before that even started, the, uh, uh, the Romans had, uh, 
had already reached 15,000%, right? And that's the only thing we can say, really, that's affecting America right now. This war in Ukraine, they could they could rock up and win any moment they wanted to right now, right? But they're afraid of the nuclear confrontation. That's their only fucking hang-up, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And they, they, could be. Be in Mo- they could be in Moscow by next Sunday if they wanted. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Or, I don't know. I feel like the Russians would... Uh... No, have an AK forty seven behind every blade of grass. Maybe, but AK forty sevens in a in a high Mars fight with an F twenty two giving air superiority. I suppose. Uh, but you know, we I think it's a good disagreement to have. We should keep coming back to it because it's productive. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. And kind of on that note, I just edited the last podcast, and we mm. we split on the human nature thing a lot as well. <laughs> the nature versus nurture argument. Uh, I, whoa, uh, I think we just split on a, uh, a human nature argument that, uh, well, actually, maybe it is nature versus nurture. You explain it, and I'll shut up. Well, no, you can, everybody can listen to the episode that's about to go up. <laughs> no, but explain what you meant, that we split on nature versus nurture, because I, what I see our split is as is that we disagree on what human nature is, you know what I mean? But like, Well, yeah, uh, that's, that's, I guess, another way to say it. I don't know, it's not so much nature versus nurture, maybe. But yeah. yeah, we disagree on what is like fundamental and inalienable human nature. Yeah, and you're a Lockean, and I and I'm a Hobbesian. It's you. I think it's the war of all against all, and uh, you think that barbarism is three uh, three missed meals away, but that otherwise we're pretty good people. <laughs> yeah, was that Locke? Ooh, yeah, I'm trying to remember my. That's not his actual quote. That's not an actual Locke quote. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Uh, the I did an actual Hobbes quote, so I should have actually come out with a lot quote. Um, but yeah, no, it's good to have a variety of opinions here in the broadcaster space. Yeah, and it also makes our leftist space feel a little more objective like we advertise as, right? Because we don't have the truth. We're just three idiots. Absolutely. Know? DJ doesn't even have an ideology. Like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> He's... I said I was... I said I was going to uh, shit talk uh, to myself that I was going to shit talk this guy all fucking episode because yeah. he he claims he doesn't listen to these episodes. But, you I know, think, I, I know he does. does. I doubt I know. He, <laughs> uh, he said something one time and I busted him. It was it's on an episode. Um, all right. Oh, hey, actually, uh, on an unrelated topic, are we going to have that guest on still? I know we postponed it. And just yeah, I'm working on it. Again. OK. All right. I want to have a something planned out that, you know, won't lead us to uh, seeming as like the most sexist pigs on earth when the first guest that we have on that's a woman is. Yeah, you know? that's fair. We should have had her on for Barbie. That would have been great. Uh, I don't <laughs> think she went to see Barbie. She went to see Chapo Trap House. Oh, really? Live, yeah. <laughs> that's funny. I, uh, I offered her the tickets and uh, then uh, she messaged me back about three hours later oh well like after the show was done too oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> that uh uh that she was there and that i should have came with them and i was like oh that sucks Shoot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but anyways i'm gonna move on uh you done uh yeah okay i uh was going to talk oh i did want to do this one bit uh this is just 10 seconds but uh i saw something the other day that made me think, wow, the Germans should never have gone for World War One or World War Two. What were they thinking, thinking they are the master race? They should have looked around and saw the people that were near them and been like, yeah, it ain't us, boss. Yep. And uh, my proof of this is that I saw a man, and his last name was Gross Johan. And uh, <laughs> that means his last name is Big John. <laughs> oh, Okay. <laughs> Can you, ima- yeah, can you imagine running into some guy and he's like, hello, I'm Mr. Big John. You, you bust a gut in his face, right? Now imagine Mr. Big John tells you quite enthusiastically that he's a member of the master race. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The that Germans weren't it. <laughs> yeah. They should have recognized Slav supremacy when they had the chance. Slav supremacy. <laughs> uh, Celtic supremacy will rise again. Okay, the Celts yeah. will rise again. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's the end of that bit, though. Uh, I 
many have a quick laugh at Mr. Big John. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was really funny. It was so funny I wanted to talk about it on the show, Big John. <laughs> oh, I'm gross, Johan. <laughs> Fuck. I'm going to change my name to Big Julian. <laughs> <laughs> you already are Big Julian. <laughs> um, sorry, that was terrible. <laughs> oh, that's uh, fine. That's a compliment. Talk about my pee. Uh, yeah. You got so quiet. You got unconfident in that. <laughs> um, so I saw... A- I thought that would help us move on. Oh, yeah. It breaks it cleaner. I, uh, I saw a viral video one time of a professor giving a lecture. Um, the guy's name is Roy Casagranda. And okay. he's going... The, the video I saw, he was giving a, a, a historical lecture on um, a man named Khalid ibn Walid. And uh, the, Khalid ibn Walid is, uh, means the sword of God. Cool. Uh, yeah, and he's responsible, largely responsible, for the, uh, the early Arab conquests post-Muhammad. Okay. So Muhammad dies in Jerusalem, and then this guy, uh, ibn Khalid, conquers Syria, uh, uh, what's it called, uh, Persia, What's it called today? Iran. Um, Egypt. Uh, fuck, I'm, I'm remembering all the ancient names. I'm trying yeah, to remember. The Middle East. He took yeah, a lot they, of the Middle East. He conquers the Middle East. And this guy gives this viral, uh, I don't know, lecture on this uh, on this guy's military exploits, which are crazy, right? Uh-huh. Uh, he, uh, he champions in battle all the time, too. So not only is he this, like, crazy general who defeats the Romans and the Persians at ancient warfare, which is just crazy just to say in a sentence. But then uh, once in a while, he decides he's going to personally slaughter 10 champions that come out and try and fucking, yeah, the sword of God. Um, And, uh, but none of that's important. I'm only telling you to give you background on how I found this guy. And Roy Casagranda uh, does a series of uh, historical lectures on mostly military stuff, because that's what he seems to be obsessed with. But then I found out he's a socialist. And uh, I I looked into his work, and uh, he's got an article here that I feel like was written to mock me. And... uh, (laughs) I'm going to um, I'm going to read large sections of it, and I hope you enjoy it, Julian, because it is to mock myself. Okay. Uh, uh, the article's title is "Nationalism and the Left," uh, the third of March, twenty twenty-three, by Roy Casagranda. Okay. Uh, I'm going to start this con- uh, conversation by making a seemingly contradictory statement. You cannot be a nationalist and a socialist, but socialist nationalism, aka nationalist socialism not national socialism, is a legitimate form of socialism. Uh, okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad For he's any- drawn that distinction. I don't know if the... I'm glad that he's drawn that distinction. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what it reminds... I, I don't want to blow it. But anyways. <laughs> um, Orwell's warning about the decay of the English language came true. Only the mechanism was not the one described in 1984. We disassembled the English language, especially in the U.S., using the thesaurus instead of the Newspeak Dictionary. I would point out that the Newspeak Dictionary is just a a thesaurus, but whatever. Uh, Almost every word stands for a unique concept. If I can get you to believe uh, that five words mean the same thing, I have destroyed four concepts, or at least rendered having a conversation about them difficult, if not impossible. One of the ways that uh, this is manifest is the interchangeable usage of the terms country and nation. The okay. tragedy is what what is meant most of the time of the th- uh, is a third st- uh, is a third term state. Neither country nor nation remem- resembles state in any meaningful way. And so he goes on here. He, he talks about what a state is and what a nation is. Right, the U.S. is a state. The state of Texas is a province. Texas is a country, and the Comanche, Tonkawa, Karankawa, uh, Spanish, and Germans are examples of three native and two colonizers nations that ended up in Texas. Wow, that was a great explanation of uh, what the difference is and why it's uh, so confused all the time. Mm, yeah, he's already losing me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm gonna jump down a bit. 
Any ideology that says that some people have more worth than another group of people is by definition not socialist. Nationalism is the belief that one nation, probably yours, is superior to all others. Nationalism is to a nation as fundamentalism is to a religion. If someone says, I'm a German nationalist, they are saying that they believe that Germans are superior to all others. Insert gross Johan joke. If that is true, then all non-Germans are inferior to Germans. Just like a fundamentalist believes that only their fellow co-religionists have the same have the answer to salvation, and therefore all other people are doomed to internal damnation. Just like a misogynist or a sexist believe that women are inferior to men. Therefore, all socialists are internationalists by definition. An internationalist believes that all nations have equal worth and that regardless of a person's nation or origin, uh, they have equal value. Right, and just to stop and clarify there, by nation, he doesn't necessarily mean the borders on maps that we see at the moment. No, yeah, to return above, right? Uh, When we refer to a nation, what can we refer to other than the French? (laughs) (laughs) No, wait, that was me who said that. Uh, (laughs) No, right, but the U.S. is a state. The state of Texas is a province. Texas is a country. Disagree. And... And then the Comanche, Tonkawa, Karankawa, Spanish, and German are examples of three native and two colonizer nations. Texas is a country. It was a country for a bit. Um, yeah, okay. I, I, I see the point he's getting at. And I just, is, is Wales a country, Julian? I don't fucking know, man. That island is, it is. fucked up. <laughs> there are four countries on that island. Sorry, five, I guess, if you count the Irish, but I don't. Uh <laughs> Um, he's Irish, so he can say that. Yeah, I'm not Catholic though, so I can't call them schemers. Yep, uh, <laughs> that's our word. Uh, okay, sorry, I, I broke the uh, flow. Where, where? Yeah. Uh, so any an ideology that justifies conquest of another nation for any reason by ne- by definition cannot be a socialist ideology. So then how can my original statement hold true? Not about nationalism and socialism and things like that. The answer is nested in the reality of imperialism and conquest. A nation can be oppressed. For example, the Scottish, Irish, Navajos, or blacks in the U.S. or apartheid South Africa. A movement to liberate a nation is often incorrectly referred to as a nationalist movement. If a person says, my nation is superior to all others, then they are a nationalist. If a person says, my nation isn't superior to any other nation, but I do believe that my nation deserves to be liberated from oppression, that is not nationalism. They might take a rallying call around the liberation of the nation, but that does not mean that they necessarily think that all other nations are inferior. Blah, 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 blah. Socialist nationalism, or nationalist socialism, is not a form of nationalism, but rather a form of national liberation. So to clear up the confusion, I would like to propose the usage of the... (laughs) Okay, I see now. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) I would like to propose the usage of national liberation socialism. However, national liberation socialism is very dangerous. We have a tendency in our species to become fanatic and... uh, Sorry, to become the fanatic... To become fanatic the longer we struggle. That is to say, defeat hardens our minds and pushes us to seek more and more extreme beliefs. Whether this reactionary tendency is built into human psychology or is just a necessary adaptation to find a, uh, to victory, to find a path to victory, is irrelevant. The problem is persistent. So, uh, you know, we can stop here, basically. I don't need to read the rest, which is, you know, lengthy, and he goes on. But y- you see the point already, right? This guy is basically yeah. taking my idea, right? <laughs> and <laughs> perverting nationalism as my hunting dog to get done what I want done for socialists. <laughs> I got to tell you, reading it from uh, an outside perspective, looking at the Americans trying it, I get the ick that I give most people from it. You know what I mean? <laughs> What, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? I uh, I get when I talk about the Commonwealth and uniting the Commonwealth as one nation, and then utilizing that in our position on the Security Council to rein in the Americans and stop ah. them from killing a million Iraqis and things like that. That's what I'm doing there. It's essentially the same uh, project, right? Which is to pervert nationalism so that I can achieve socialist goals, right? Yeah. Uh, he can dance around uh, nationalism and nationalist all day, right? Uh, we don't have control of words. We can pervert words, right? That's, but you don't get to you don't get to it. tell people to learn, right? Yeah. And no, national national socialism is good if uh, the nation means this. 
yeah. and not so why, what a hundred years of history has made it mean. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so while I think my uh, my view is a little more mature, because I'd never want a movement to follow whatever I've created. I fully intend, if I ever succeed, to hand the reins back to the liberals once I'm done, right? Because <laughs> I, I, I can't run shit. Are you kidding me? I, yeah. uh, I'm go- I'm going to change shit and set up a new balance, right? If I if I can, yeah. But uh, you have to be a lizard person. You have to be actually soulless to run things, right? Lie to people day in day out. I've got at most eighteen months of that in me, right? <laughs> and then I ca- I have to sit down and cry for a bit, <laughs> like. Uh, but anyways, I, I found that article uh, very interesting. He's a great socialist too. Like I'm, I'm ragging on him, but I'm I'm really just using it to rag on me. And uh, he also uh, does these uh, these free YouTube lectures. Uh, I think it's called the Austin School, where he does uh, where he does uh, lectures in the vein of uh, the Khalid Ibn Walid one. Uh, so he does a. Uh, uh, a lecture that's like three hours on uh, why the Middle East is a mess today, and he, he spends most of it shitting on the Americans. And so he's a, he's a true socialist. He's not fucking around and playing Two Face and all that, right? He's yeah. just uh, he's just revealed something about me that toxic. <laughs> yeah, no, that's 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 an interesting point he explores there, and I I see where he's coming from, but but you don't see where I'm coming from. No, so. no, I, I, I have a better idea of where you're coming from now. I, I, I understand, but you got it. Uh, I think you need a different name for it. <laughs> yeah, no, I think my name is better than his name. I have the uh, the International Communitarians Loyal to the Crown, right. the ICLC, the uh, the Social Nationalist Liberation. What, what was it? National Socialist Liberation Movement. It's not gonna Something work. Like it's that. not gonna National work. National Liberation ish. Socialism? National liberationism, socialism—that's what it was. Still, it's so close to Nazism, right? Like, yeah, like they shortened it. That's how much they were using national socialism. They they shortened yeah. it to Nazi. <laughs> Might I suggest, you know, being that the uh, the world is a a giant place, and that the English language is in turn giant, that you find another fucking word other yeah. than nation, right? <laughs> like, I, yeah. Uh, I like yeah, you do need to find a better word, but I am personally struggling to come up with any better suggestions at the moment. Linguistic cultural uh liberation socialism. <laughs> yeah, that's that's accessible. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> ICLC's badass. At least I nailed that one. As an acronym, yeah, I like that. Oh, you don't like communitarians loyal to the crown, eh? I'll work on it. I mean, I don't know what a communitarian is. Uh, A communitarian, uh, to me at least, I've basically invented the term, is someone who uh, uh, wants their own county or province to be individually viable. That way, if international trade shuts down, that they don't go into a, like, a, I don't know, world-ending event. Right. You know what I mean? Okay, interesting. So individual viability for communities and then also an internationalist minding behind that. So though I want to fix my own backyard, I have no problem sending uh, help to fix others' backyards, right? Yeah. The Cubans are the the greatest example of this. They are... (laughs) Yes, they are indeed. They're they're so poor, right? So poor. And they send doctors around the world, right? Yeah. All the time. Right after they won their revolution, they liberated uh, an African nation. Not Angola, the one next to it. But anyways, <laughs> uh, they, uh, they invaded and liberated a, a country right after liberating themselves from the Americans, right? Yeah. And the, the Batista regime that was there. I guess the Americans didn't own it directly, but still. No, right? Cuba rocks. I actually said that at a family dinner <laughs> very mm-hmm. recently. Cuba we, does rock. We were talking about vacation destinations in the Caribbean. And it was like, yeah. oh, you know, I, we went to Dominican Republic and we like this about it. Oh, oh we went to, I don't know, Mexico. And there was, this resort had this on it. I, was, I stopped and I went, I would love to go to Cuba just to support the regime. And yeah. Everybody thought that was funny, but I meant it. <laughs> I uh, Cuba's one of the places. I've thought about running away and... Uh, 
Going to Cuba. Running away. <laughs> Cuba's somewhere I could go because you could defect, right? And say that you're a, sure, yeah. a fellow traveler or whatever, right? <laughs> and uh, I would have no problem working on a fucking sugar cane or uh, tobacco plantation. No problem, right? You don't I, feel uh, like I don't... your skills would be going to waste there? I mean, of course they would, but I don't speak Spanish, so my skills are pointless. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Uh, unless they're going to make me emissary to some English-speaking country, I'm actually useless, right, in that nation. <laughs> uh, I'll learn C and de nada very slowly, right? Like, uh, I'm just a guy at the end of the day. Like, uh, I, I think I'm pretty talented, but I'm, you know, st- I live in my language like I live in a house. And, uh, Absolutely. my community, my community is everything too, right? Like, yeah. We vacation to a little French cottage too. We do. <laughs> <laughs> if we live in the English house. Yeah. Yeah. Every now uh, and then, man, the border guard stopped me with hello, bonjour. And I almost said bonjour back just to spice things up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I wish I had like a more casual French greeting that I could go. I think I could go like alor, salut. <laughs> something like that. Yeah, salut, <laughs> something that I could uh, up talk with, you know. Yeah, bonjour is no good. Then they go into French, and you're like, "Oh, I don't actually speak it." <laughs> no, no, no. Then you just pretend. You go ho 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 ho. Yeah, uh, gypsies, hey. the French and the Germans catching my ire this episode. I don't know what. <laughs> no, uh, the Germans—they have a good sense of humor. They understand. Yeah, they'll they'll just laugh that right off, famously. Yeah, they're not um, one to hold grudges. I I listened to Christoph Waltz uh, do an interview one time, and uh, the interviewer said, uh, "You're German," and he he did a little tisk noise at him. Right? He's like, "I'm Austrian." Right? Okay. And then the interviewer goes, "Well, what's the difference?" And he's like. Uh, talking to an Austrian is like dancing, you know, it's, it's beautiful and it's choreographed and talking to a German is like talking to a battleship and then he slams <laughs> his fist into his hand. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. I loved it. Um, hey, we did pretty good for time here. I don't know how much stuff you got left, but I don't have really anything left. I got this one last bit that I, uh, I've worked up. If you want to talk about, uh, war again but we did talk about war already what 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 war this time jacob the uh, i was thinking about the uh your you think china could club america in a con- conflict right not right now no soonish soonish i think they could hold their own certainly yeah and uh numbers big part of this i'd assume right uh no i think china's just smarter Oh, okay. I mean, they, and they do have the numbers. I guess that's part of it, yeah. Roughly. Because, uh, like, the numbers, you always got to multiply by their income a year, right? Like, uh, that's why the Russians are no threat. There's 150 million Russians, right? But they make $6,000 a year, so fuck them, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> yeah. I couldn't even kit myself out for $6,000, you know what I mean? Um, ridiculous. But anyways, I was looking at... Uh, the Battle of Gogamela recently, which is a thank you, uh, which is a, a battle of Alexander the Great's his most famous battle. Actually, oh, yeah. he uh, he defeats the uh, uh, the Persian king Darius the Third and his royal army, you know, just north of uh, the capital. Anyways, uh, the Persian army, army, all contemporary sources uh, say, it numbered from a hundred to a hundred and fifty thousand people. Right. Okay. And then Alexander the Great showed up in Turkey, uh, Anatolia, with 40,000 guys. So he had no more than 40,000 guys when he fucking reached this battlefield two years later, right? Okay. Uh, And he he cleans them. He cleans them out, right? He absolutely mops them, right? Yep. And so uh, 40,000 versus 150,000 is actually... uh, very, very close to, uh, you know, a ratio uh, that the Americans and the Chinese would oh, achieve, right? okay. Uh, if they were to uh, field all their forces, right? And so then I, I, I was thinking, what would the size of the Americans' uh, uh, army be, right? And I was thinking, how would I even go about uh, 
doing that, right? You go to Wikipedia, they say they have uh, 40 million men, 40 million women ready to be conscripted at any time, right? Yeah. Uh, that's another but, uh, article, actually. We should. I'll mention it in a minute. <laughs> but uh, that's no good, right? There's no way they could put 80 million people in fucking arms, right? The States? That's fucking... Yeah. Uh... 80 million? Yeah, not in, like, organized command structures, no. Yeah, they uh, they put 15 million, uh, or something, no, yeah, something like that. 15 million for World War II, right? Okay, across all branches. All branches, uh, and that includes, like, labor services and, like, volunteer things at home, right? Right, right, right. Everybody, right? Uh, and that was 12% of the U.S. population at that time. Okay. Right? You do it on today's populations for China and America. It's about 40 million uh, Americans, 40 million Americans, and about 150 million Chinese. Interesting. Yep. Now, and that match, doesn't that match up really weird? <laughs> <laughs> it does, but I have, to, I, I have to assume that there have been other battles in history with about the same numbers that did not go Alexander the Great's way. <laughs> Yeah, uh, actually, Alexander the Great famously never lost a battle, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, the Greeks are a terrible uh, <laughs> analogy for the Americans, right? Yeah. The, Greek, the Greeks are our, the British progenitor, right? Fighting in formations and uh, deep ranks, trying to control the entire enemy force. That's not how the Americans vibe. They're there to show up and kill as many people as they can. If they lose some guys, big fucking deal, right? Like, yeah. they're there to fight like Romans. They, they, can <laughs> lose legion, they can lose legionnaires, right? Whereas we, we set trenches like the pikemen, you know what I mean? We, we don't like losing guys. That's a shitty experience. <laughs> yeah. Which uh, but I'd rather have so, it that way, personally. <laughs> same. I like being a Greek. I can tell you, the <laughs> Romans, they freak me out. Uh, but, uh... Yeah, yeah. Uh, two things to mention there. One of them's related. One of them's completely unrelated. Um, yeah, that there was a headline I think yesterday or maybe the day before that seventy five percent of Americans are too fat or on drugs or just like otherwise completely. Re- um, yeah, I've I've seen these stats before. They it's all those things. They're too much to reach their current standards. Is basically right. uh, the answer, right? And yes. standards would be dropped immediately oh, yeah. to get those men and men in arms, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just thought that was a very funny headline. It is funny, right? Because the Americans are fat and decrepit and all that yeah, shit. Just like us, just like Canadian. Yeah, we're fat too, but we're not world famously fat. So. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, we might even be bigger, right? But uh, I think, yeah, I think our obesity rate is slightly higher just doesn't matter because we don't spend our time fucking stomping around killing millions of Iraqis (laughs) for no reason yeah well yeah Uh, but but going uh, to directly respond to your point uh, during World War One the standards for a British rifleman and they're shooting 7.62 right like big fucking rounds right you gotta be a a, a man to fire that weapon basically (laughs) yeah and uh, they shoot 5.56 today right like a a child could fire that gun um (laughs) Uh, and in fact, that's why they were invented the five five six, so that more childlike soldiers could fire them. <laughs> yes. Uh, but the uh, the standards for a British infantryman in World War One were that he had at the beginning that he had to be five foot four, no five foot seven, and one hundred and thirty pounds. And by the end, it was five foot four and like one hundred and five pounds. Yeah. So like. Yeah, and, you know, that's in the past. Some people were a little smaller, but not that much smaller, you know? <laughs> there were not that many five-footers running around. Like, yeah. God, uh, that'd be so embarrassing to be turned away at the recruitment office because you're not tall enough to kill. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The uh, most uh, successful uh, soldier from the U.S. in Vietnam uh, was four foot eleven or something like that. That tracks. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, something to prove. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the other thing I want to mention, this this was um, an article, maybe not an article, but a headline I saw, um, completely unrelated, Just maybe just a fun little thing to close out on here. There was an archaeological dig at a First Nations site, I think it was in British Columbia. Where it would be if you were talking about early. I, th- I think it was. 
But uh, yeah, they, I, whatever. The story of the site was that there had been a sustainable fishery at that location. Yeah. And, you know, they caught the fish, but they didn't overfish. And it was great. You know, just an excellent example of uh, indigenous land management. Yeah. And this archaeological dig concluded that the fishery had been in operation for like 1,200 years. Wow. Right? That is just a, a scale that my colonizer mind could not even handle. That is incredible. If you become full colonizer, you could imagine a thousand-year right. <laughs> um, no, yeah. but that is that is truly gargantuan. I, uh, that's amazing, right? You, Look, I we, thought this... there has not been. I can't think of anything else that has worked consistently for a thousand years. Well, Egypt, Egypt did. I mean, I get Egypt, I guess, but like, all right, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it there. I'm it sure was... There's lots of things. <laughs> e- Egypt, I guess, and it was more like three thousand years. But <laughs> right, but the, the, um, did they have like one site that was operating like in perfect harmony with with nature? I don't, I don't know. They probably had no, farms and such. No, they they had farms and perfect communism, and they mined <laughs> mountains because they wanted to. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the Egyptians will always uh, impress me more than uh, any native society, just because of the monuments they achieved. Right, but uh, yeah, it it the. Native societies are overlooked, like, and the length of time that they were here, too. I've seen that recently they pushed back the indigenous timeline. Like, we were all taught in school that they came across the Bering Sea on a land bridge 20,000 years ago. Something like and that, that the, yeah. the timeline is now like 100,000 years that humans yeah. arrived in, in North America, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, just so much to dig through, so much. But 1,200 years, that is a map game victory, in my, <laughs> in my opinion, right? Right? Like, imagine how many people were fed by this place, or how many people, like, formed spiritual connections with this place because it had been there God, forever. You're, you're, you're so healthy psychologically. I was thinking, imagine <laughs> looking imagine looking down on your descendants for 1,000 years, being like, I kept all these people fed with that fucking decision for 1,000 years. <laughs> Yeah, I am so big-brained. That too, but like, yeah, yeah, that just shook yeah. me. I'm getting goosebumps a little bit now. I hope it is cool. I hope we can build something like that. We, as in, like present-day people, the international community, loyal to the crown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. Summer's oh, yeah. coming. <laughs> Summer's coming. 